0: Hey everybody, this is Brandon once more with 238 Media. We will be picking up our series that we have been working on. We started it a little while ago where we dealt with the first of what is considered the seven ecumenical councils of uh, church history. And it's going to be a good discussion. I'm looking forward to going forward so we can make sure this information is available from a oneness, Pentecostal or apostolic Jesus name worldview. So, hey, let somebody know we got a good podcast uh, going and let's get started. Good day, everybody. This is Brandon with two thirty eight media I just wanted to make sure I took some time to let you know about this great tool that helps me to keep my podcast moving at a really good rate of production. This tool is Anchor by Spotify, and it is probably one of the easiest ways to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a host of other options. It's everything you need in one place to make a podcast. And best of all, it is 100% free. So hey, let me know what you think. And as always, it's the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. So, when we're dealing with uh, what we call church history, as I stated in the last uh, installment of our study of uh, church history, we talked about the Council of Nicaea, why it was so pivotal—or better yet, excuse me, tongue tied—pivotal uh, in the development of uh, Trinitarian Christology, because uh, one of the biggest misnomers that you probably will find sometimes, especially. When you are engaging with those who have a very austere Trinitarian worldview is that there is this idea of uh, pristine Trinitarianism that has been uh, just delivered right from the apostles all the way over to Nicaea and everything was going good until these heretics showed up. But we know that from a honest, holistic study of scripture, uh, these things weren't exactly the case. So. (laughs) This is why this study is important, because it helps us to see that. And as I stated earlier, which is my premise, is that what you will notice with the doctrine of the Trinity is that it is the result of a slow development that was uh, in part due to a response to uh, voices that were being uh energetically opposed to some of what is now considered mainline orthodoxy now this is not to say that because they were in opposition that the sheer maverickness if i could just make up a word was uh, evidence that they were right but it does show that there was not this universal acceptance of things that were true in order to solidify the doctrine of the trinity as a historical norm so today Of course, we are picking up with the second ecumenical council, which is referred to as the first council of Constantinople. And the reason that it's called the first council of Constantinople is because you've guessed it. (laughs) There is a second council of Constantinople and uh, the second council of Constantinople is uh, beyond the scope of this podcast for today. But it is important that we will go over later on. But this council, in essence, will uh, really work to define a portion of the Nicene Creed or the Creed of Nicaea, because we know this is really going to be the formulation of what we call the Nicene Creed that you see mostly promulgated within Trinitarian circles today. Uh, but the Council of Constantinople is going to work to correct the, Uh, Some of those oversights and maybe some of the opportunities to bring further clarification, because as we discussed in our previous episode, one of the areas of great, how can you say contention or uh, just resistance was the uh, adoption of the word homoousius, right? And the reason that we understand that this was such a contentious word was for the simple fact that this was a word that was uh, affiliated with Sibelianism. And as I stated in the other episode, Sibelianism was the watch word that was used for modalism in the East and patripassion, excuse me, was the word for modalism that was um, ascribed to uh, what we see as a proto oneness doctrine in the West and that term was ter- uh, coined by Tertullian. And evidence of that you can uh, look into uh, against Praxeus, uh, which is online for free, uh, which is always an interesting read. Tertullian's very snarky <laughs> and uh, his polemics against uh, what many have called proto-modalism, even though we can't really be uh, sure exactly what uh, this Praxeus taught all the way because you none know, of their writings are there. But. The main energy of Constantinople is going to bring a great deal of clarity to the doctrine of the Trinity in the area uh, specifically that uh, deals with his personhood, his autonomy and just his involvement in the salvation economy of uh, God. Now, the reason that this council was uh had to be held and because we just had one in three uh twenty five we got to have one so so soon well the reason we had to have one is because there was a group of uh of of and this is this is this is going to be the interesting portion for those who may not be as familiar uh that the group that began to really make this council necessary has been called by historians as the Numa tamaki. And I know it's a, such a tongue twister of a word. And if you want to look it up, it's P-N-E-U-M-A-T-O-M-A-C-H-I. And most historians will call them uh, fourth century heretics. Um, but, you know, they call everybody that. <laughs> so don't, don't allow yourself to get hurt. But essentially, these were uh, now I can't say that these were Nicene uh uh, how can you say, affirm is the divinity of Christ. And and some references that you see of them historically, this is the idea they try to paint of them. But I think that's a little bit unfair. And this is the reason why. Because as we understand that this group, which uh, of course is the Numa Tamakians, uh, they were a group of theologians uh, that really, we're not really sure what their full profile of uh, theological influence they really had, but we know that they were present during the Council of Nicaea, uh, that they were staunch opponents to the gentleman Arius. They did not affirm, uh, affirm Arius' concept of the divinity of Christ or his lower subordinationist, uh, sub <laughs> say multiple created God type deal he had going on. Uh, they readily... Accepted the absolute divinity of the Son. Uh, they 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 signed on to the Homoousius. Now this is the interesting thing. Now they would have had to have been present at Nicaea to affirm it. Now, I just want you to think about this for a moment. They affirm that Jesus. So we know they were in oneness. They were probably more of a Benetarian in flavor. If I could just maybe give it my classification, it'd probably be what we would consider like more of a Benetarian kind of flavor. But remember, at Nicaea, the main gist of uh, Nicaea 325 was to combat the Arian influence because it's important to remember, Ares almost took this thing, at least from an institutional standpoint, because from what I understand, Ares was a great speaker uh, and he had this ability to put his theology into songs, which uh, is very interesting. He, He was very popular. And so they readily opposed this. But when it came to this further clarification of a Trinitarian concept, Not only uh, do we know that the gentleman I believe uh, that was uh, friends with Athanasius that some say was the main reason that the term homoousius was promoted uh, and used as a watchword to guard against the type of uh, nature composition Eris was proposing. But this is but another group that we can definitely identify that was not Trinitarian in their position. Now, the word pneuma uh, to Machians, it's a compound word, which means, uh, of course, you can hear pneuma, uh, but Machians, of course, it means enemies, enemies of the spirit. Now, this is what I (laughs) what tickles me so, so, so greatly about uh, a lot of Trinitarian Orthodoxy. They have an ability I mean, goodness gracious of life to vilify those who do not agree with them. They can give you a name. If you're a modalist, you're a patripatianist. Uh, if you, we don't know what kind of modalist you are, you, you are a sequential or simultaneous modalist. One of the two. Uh, interestingly enough, and this is obviously their name. Now, the principal leader appears to uh, have been, uh, Macedonius of Constantinople, and for that reason, at times they're called, uh, Macedonians, or this group was called the Macedonians, uh, because they, uh, so greatly, uh, this was the area that this gentleman was from, and he so energetically, uh, Opposed the idea now, Macedonius of Constantinople. Uh, we don't really know when he was born, but he died uh, somewhere around three sixty-two. So about the time that this council came into full formation in three eighty-one, he wasn't even around. But uh, according to some sources, uh, the Westminster Dictionary of Theologians says that he was a semi aryan theologian who was patriarch of Constantinople for two periods when political circumstances were favorable favorable to him. Several uh, contemporaries affirmed that although uh, he was willing to accept the divinity of the son, he was not willing to do the same with respect to the Holy Spirit. Those who adopted such a position, as we stated, were given the name uh, Macedonians and sometimes called Numa, uh, Numa Tamakians, enemies of the spirit. So and and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I would dare say that it is possible that this gentleman uh, could have been one of the signers of the uh, Nicene Creed. But I will look and verify that before I uh try to substantiate that as gospel truth. But this council uh uh really worked to solidify that error but also uh they um uh, how can I say really uh solidify the position of the true humanity of Jesus Christ, because another group that, uh, was really starting to pick up a little theological steam was a group by the name of the Apollinarianists. Now the Apollinarians, uh, w- and for those who are not familiar with it, Apollinarius was a gentleman who was excommunicated by what we consider the, ex- uh, the overall church twice, but became Bishop of, uh, Laodicea anyways. He said, I'm still going to be a Bishop. He is best known for his view of Christology that Jesus was fully God and fully human. So he was orthodox per se in that area. Uh, this view, that what makes it different is that Apollinarius, and, and, and again, this is a Trinitarian Christological heresy. Uh, they like to throw everything on one of people. He taught that within the incarnation that Jesus Christ did not have a true human soul, but it was essentially the second person of the Godhead. Who essentially jumped into a meat suit, as people call it. Uh, there was no human soul or psyche; that it was just basically um, the, the 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 divinity driving the ship. And whereas we believe that is somewhat the case of the incarnation. We believe that and even as one as Pentecostals to say that Jesus didn't have a human soul, that's I mean, that's problematic in so many ways. So Constantinople is going to kind of hit two issues, Apollinarius, even though when you talk to people about the heresy uh, that was combated, Usually people have a tendency to think more in lines with Apollinarius, but the Numenatmachians were also. Now, this council, the Council of Constantinople 381, is recognized uh, unanimously by the Roman Catholic Church, the Eastern Orthodox Churches, the Oriental Orthodox Churches, the Anglican Church, the Lutheran Churches, and the Assyrian Churches of the East. And, of course, the main topics, as stated earlier, that were discussed uh, really helped us to understand how uh, arianism was going to be handled the trinity christology and uh the holy spirit and uh the main opponents that were identified in this council were the apollinarians and the numa uh, machians at this time we have the pope who was ruling already uh, who was presiding over this council uh was uh pope saint damascus the first and the other patriarchs, uh, historically that were involved, was of course Pope Saint Damascus the Saint Miletus, Timothy uh, the First of Alexandria, Paulinus, and Cyril, uh, Cyril of Jerusalem. And at this time, we have the ruling Emperor uh, Theodosius the First of Rome, uh, and of course it would be Theod- Theodosius the First of Rome who would be. Uh, uh, the the, the emperor who would get this thing going in motion again. The council presidents was Timothy uh, I of Alexandria, St. Miletus, Gregory of Nazianzus, and St. Nectarius. Uh, And of course, some other figures that we're going to really see, uh, I think uh, Basil of Caesarea, uh, St. Gregory of Nicaea, and I believe these are two of what people call historically The Cappadocian Fathers and the Cappadocian Fathers are going to be more significant as time goes on, as we're going to see the development of what many call uh, the show social model of Trinitarian thinking. Uh, The location of this uh, council was held in a place called Constantinople, of course. uh, And this council produced several documents or things. That were pivotal: uh, the First Council of Constantinople, uh, the Constantinopolitan uh, Creed, which is really the uh, what people call the Nicene Creed, the Creed found in uh, the Epiphanius Taurus, lost Tome of the Council, Letter of the Council to the Emperor, Canons, and the Synodical Letter. So, hey, this has been a roundup really quick just to give you a good idea of what took place. And we are going to be picking up in the next installment with the First Council of Ephesus, which is going to be in the year of four hundred thirty one. Where we're going to see another thought that is going to be very. uh polar opposite to previous thought in the form of uh, nestorianism so hey i'm so thankful that you've taken your time to come by and to listen and to have a historical conversation from a oneness pentecostal apostolic worldview please let somebody know we got a jesus name podcast going on and i would be elated if you would uh join us and as always it is the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church the lord bless you in Jesus' name